0: I'm going to be sharing the pulpit this morning with uh, Pastor Ron, and uh, he's going to preach a little bit, and uh, I'm going to share a little bit from the Scripture as well. So give Brother Ron a good hand as he comes.
1: Amen. Isn't God good? Amen. Well, I'm going to be sharing just a little bit this morning, testimonially, and using a Scripture to back up, because there's a Scripture we're going to look at that just really speaks about the testimony of what has happened with my wife and I through ministry from time past and what we're about to embark upon. And it just, it just speaks exactly to what's happened. So, uh, as Pastor John mentioned, we've been going for a little while now there in New Boston. Uh, the name of the church is New Covenant Life Fellowship and slash NBCOTR, New Boston Church on the Rock. But, uh, uh, that was a part of Pastor John's counsel that it might not be uh the best thing to give it the primary name of New Boston Church on the Rock, but you know, that we're just trying to follow the will of God and and see what God's doing there and moving out and believing that God's gonna do great and mighty things. We're meeting right now on Sunday afternoons at five o'clock in the New Boston property management community room which is at 303 Rice Street, right across from the nursing home in New Boston, and also just kind of right down the street from the Wells Fargo main branch of their bank there in New Boston. So if you're familiar with New Boston, uh, you'll know what we're talking about. Had someone correct me after the first service, because I've been talking about the western end of the county, and she corrected me and said, I want you to know New Boston is the heart of Bowie County. So, uh, praise God for that, that we're in the heart of Bowie County, and by the same token, Bowie County is in our heart. And I just appreciate so much, Pastor John, and I can't say enough about uh, what, what the, this church is doing for us, and I'll share some more as we share out of this verse and talk about the testimony of how God's taking us. So, if you have your Bible, turn over to Proverbs thirteen twelve. You've probably heard this scripture before, you've probably read it, and it makes a comment that says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And probably every one of us at some time or another in our life can relate to the idea of hope deferred, something that we've had to put off receiving something that we expected or desired to happen because it didn't come in the timing that we thought it should come in it didn't happen when we expected it to happen and so there was this deferral of hope and when hope gets deferred then also the gratification that comes from the fulfilling of that hope gets deferred and that ends up doing exactly what this verse talks about about it makes the heart sick now if you can't really grasp and wrap your mind around the idea of hope deferred let me refer you to the message translation of this verse which says this, unrelenting disappointment leaves you heart sick, but a sudden good break can turn life around. So how many of you can think about and relate to unrelenting disappointment? You know the the the, 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 the thesaurus does not give anything for unrelenting because it's a negative word. You know, it means not relenting. But when you look up the word relent, to relent means to show mercy, to give some slack, to give some room. And so disappointment, when it just keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming, it feels like there's no mercy being shown. There's no slack being cut. There's nothing that, you know, you're not getting a break from anything. You get over one thing and then two or three others seem like they come at you. Well, that's where my wife and I were a few years ago with ministry. We were pastoring a church in New Boston 30 years ago. And we were moving and working up there and going along. And I began to understand the principles of spiritual covering. And I knew we weren't under a spiritual covering. And we started trying to reach out to find someone to offer that covering to us and just it seemed like everybody we reached out to was more about what we could do for them than either what they could provide for us or how we could partner together they were all about okay you know how much money can you give us how much control can you cede to us or what can you do for us and you know when you're a church of 25 to 30 people you're just praying every week that you make enough money for expenses you you don't have enough to really gives in other places especially when most of the people that you're ministering to are people that are just living paycheck to paycheck so you know that we couldn't find anybody that would cover us finally i I found somebody that i thought was going to be the answer to that need in our lives and the first thing that i knew he'd come in taken over the church and just more or less run us off so we were gone we had a building that we had bought he signed papers where he said that he had take over the payments and take over the debt of that building. But the next thing I knew, not only did we not have a building and did we not have a church, but we also had the debt that went with the building that we had to start with. And so, you know, those things begin to weigh on you. One thing after another. One disappointment after another. Unrelenting disappointment. And it makes your heart sick. And you know, the thing about this word that's here that's translated as heart... What it means is the seat of your emotion and the seat of your passion. And when not only does it mean that it will move to take your passion away, but that it will also take your ability to generate passion away. It will take away that desire in you to even see anything begin to come about. You'll, feel you'll just get so worn out and so tired that you won't even want anything to happen. You just give up. You know, when you read this verse and you notice the punctuation in it, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, and then there's a comma. Now, when we read to ourselves or we read, you know, just kind of quietly, sometimes we ignore punctuation. But when you read publicly, what is it that a, a comma tells you to do? To pause. And so when hope deferred, when unrelenting disappointment attacks you, that's what you tend to try to do is you push the pause button for your life. The the passion's gone. The desire to, to to generate passion's gone. Everything's just gone. And so the first thing we knew, not only did we not have a church, not only did we not have a building, not only did we have all this debt, then because this passion was gone and this desire was gone and we couldn't seem to get it to come back, we lost some of our desire for our personal devotional time with God, for our time with each other. We began to have issues come about in our marriage. We had issues come about in our what little bit of a ministry we still had going on. And before you know it, we were just complete failures. Personally, ministry, everything around it. And it was basically for this, this very thing. Hope deferred, unrelenting disappointment. Our hearts got sick but you know, God is good. God is good because He doesn't leave us in that state. He doesn't leave us in that place if we'll just begin to trust Him and pray. After we went through all that, we came here to Church on the Rock just to be ministered to, just to be fed. The first Sunday that we were here, we were just sitting in the back row back there, and I've I've always talked about this because it ministered to me so much the way Pastor John ministered it to us. We had known him. We were friends. When we pastored, we fellowshiped together some. And we knew him. He knew our names. But when he started to give us this word, he says, "Uh, uh, John Humphrey's dad. Well, you know right then, what we needed to be to be ministered to was to just be John Humphrey's dad. And the way this church ministered to us and accepted us and loved us. Been an elder here now for about 10 years. Served on the board of directors. Pastor John's just always loved us and ministered to us. And a few months back, the Lord began to deal with us about this work in New Boston through a series of circumstances that happened. You know, I worked in Texarkana. Terry worked in Texarkana. We lived in Texarkana. And then we put our house for sale and we intended to sell the house, move into a rent house that we had in New Boston, and then we had a lot in Wake Village. We were going to build a house because the rent house, we everything that we'd get off of it, we'd have to share it with my brother, but everything that came in off of it, we could put towards this new house. So that was our plan. Working here, just enjoying life here in Texarkana, enjoying what we were doing here at Church on the Rock. And then... The house sells. We moved to New Boston. Uh, About the same week we were moving, I believe, Terry's boss came to her and said, you know, after the holiday, it was just before Memorial Day, he said, after Memorial Day, don't bother to come back to work. I'm closing the office. So she lost her job here in Texarkana. Now she's said she calls it being retired, but she doesn't get a retirement check. So I don't know. But anyway, then not long after that, I got a new boss and he comes in and he says, you know, I think we can make better use of our resources by the branch that you manage just combining with our other branch. So now they've got to do something with me. So they send me to that end of the county. So now from a house in Texarkana, both of us having jobs in Texarkana, we both end up in New Boston and in the area living in New Boston and not having the capability, at least in the foreseeable future, to come back to Texarkana. So before God had to get a two before out and hit us upside the head, we started praying and asking God for some counsel and some advice. We sought Pastor John's counsel and advice, and we asked him. We said, "You know, this this has still been it's been in my heart all these years to go back at some point in time and do it again." But Terry had said, "No way. I'm never going back. Don't you know?" Uh-uh, it ain't going to happen. And, you know, I knew where she was coming from because she had really been devastated by this. I remember one morning she shared a dream she had with me during all that time, and she had dreamed, and this was her dream. She said, they owe us a roll of toilet paper. That's that's the, the type of situation we were in. We were looking for people that owed us rolls of toilet paper. And so, you know, all of that had happened, and it had just been this big devastation Our marriage had nearly fallen apart. Ministry just about gone. And now we begin to see this tree of life coming. Because it says desire fulfilled, or it really means desire coming. And we could begin to see our desire coming back. Now I knew she didn't really want to do it, and so I was praying, okay Lord, you'll have to change her heart. Well, my son-in-law, a lot of you know Brandon. He's our Brandon Barrett, that's our son-in-law. He has several names that he calls his mother in law. And some of them I can't say from up here today. But one of them is Turbo. Because when she gets something in her and she gets behind something, she's going to go 100%. She's going to go all out. And God has replaced this desire in her. Now she's all about this. She's got a, a policy and procedure manual written. She's got job descriptions written. She's got everything prepared for this. And so we approached Pastor John, wrote him a letter. Nearly did it the wrong way because I'd sent an email to somebody and said, "We're going to do this one way or the other, whether they support us or not." But that wouldn't wouldn't have been the right way to do it. As long as we had been here and as as committed and submitted as we had been in this house and the way that Pastor John and the staff here had covered us and allowed us to minister, that wouldn't have been the right way to do it. So we submitted it to him for his counsel and for his advice, and he prayed about it. He took it under consideration and prayed about it, came back to us and said, you know, I believe we're supposed to do this. And I just appreciate that because we had talked to a gentleman that provides some counsel to us and has throughout our ministry, and he had told us, he said, he won't be able to do it. And he he wasn't talking specifically, he doesn't even really know Pastor John, but he was talking kind of in a generic sense about a pastor that close to his own church being able to send and plan a church. But Pastor John and this church have been so gracious to us and just full of support, full of advice, full of prayer counsel, and I just appreciate what God's doing. It is a tree of life. You know, the tree of life was a source of 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 life and power and goodness. The tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden and the tree of life that's in heaven both signify sources of goodness and support and, and just providing for your need. And so that metaphor is used here to let us know that when desire comes. So I want to challenge you this morning that if, if you've had a vision and it's kind of waned because of things that have gone on, if you've got some unrelenting disappointments Just continue to submit that to God. Just continue to believe God. And just trust that God's going to bring that to pass for you. So again, I appreciate you, Pastor John. You're a great man, a great man of God. And I thank you so much for all that you're doing for us. Praise the Lord. Give him a big hand. We're proud of you, buddy.
0: Turn your Bible to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. I want to share a few thoughts with you about 15-20 minutes this morning, uh, kind of a global picture about church, why we're here, are we here this morning just for a a sermon and a song or is there something bigger about our relationship and about what the local church is able to offer you and its benefit in your life. But let's first kind of step back a couple minutes and, and I want you to think with me, why did we take time in this service today to formally commission Ron and his wife to start this church? Why did we do that? I mean, why did, we could have sang another song, uh, we could have preached a little longer, but why was that important? And I'll suggest for you a couple reasons. Number one is, if you looked in our little inside look about our dreams, one of our big dreams, long-term dreams, is to literally send out a hundred people in full-time ministry from this local church. Now, we've had probably 8, 10, maybe 12 over the years. But uh, how many know that's a part of what churches do? It's not just about building us, building this building. We've got the, the bulls here this morning. Lonnie and Brenda have served in this church. Lonnie was an elder for a number of years. Wave your hand over at us, Lonnie. Now, he was in the logging business, felt the call to ministry, and they're going on missions trips all the time, all over the world for Jesus. But that's what church is supposed to be about. We're not trying to build an organization. This is not a club. This is not Amway. We are the people of God. This is the kingdom of God that we try to build. I many know oh, in County here we're a small part of it? There's a couple hundred churches in this county trying to reach people for Christ. Jesus is the great shepherd. Come on. We're pastors serving as his under-shepherds and collectively as Christians we should be working together to reach our world for Christ. So that's what we believe. We believe there's more than just what's inside the walls of these church that we should be sending people out into the ministry. But there's a second reason that's pretty powerful, and it's this: It's simply because he asked for the spiritual covering of this local church. He asked if we could literally be his partner and do this together, that we would send him out rather than just going. Let I mean, know, you can either send yourself out or you can be sent out. And can I tell you, it's a big difference. How many know there's a right way and there's a wrong way to start a church? Let me say it again. There's a right way and there's a wrong way to start a church. Most churches that are started in America today are started because somebody got offended, because somebody got mad, because somebody couldn't get along with somebody else, uh, rebellion in the heart of a person, whatever the case is. It's kind of symptomatic of our culture. But how many know there's a right way and a wrong way to do things in your life? How many know there's a right way to get married? If I'm a young man and, and I want to marry a, 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 a young woman, I mean, no, you're not just marrying a girl, you're marrying a family. Now, i got news for you guys, whether you know it or not, you're marrying into a family, and there needs to be honor towards that father of the bride. Uh, now, listen, you may have the full right to just say, well, bless God, I'm taking you, baby, and we're going off to Jamaica, and we're just going to get married, and it's just me and you. Yeah, okay, you can do that for a while, but sooner or later you're going to come in contact with your mother-in-law. I mean, and it's way better for your mother-in-law to want you in her house, come on, than you just have to be there. And I'm telling you, it can be really good or really bad. Well, the right way to do it is that you would go to dad and literally the honorable way is to say, uh, whatever you're going to call him, but say, sir, would probably be a good say to say at that point, but say, I would, I would like to marry your daughter. Would you give us your blessing? Now, how many know all the dads in the room says that's the right way to do it? And if you can do something like that, you start by building a partnership in life. Come on. Rather than birthing something in rebellion. Well, it's the same way in the kingdom of God, whether you're starting a church or whether you're starting any type of ministry, is that we do it in partnership with those that God has placed in authority over our lives. Acts 13, verse 1, it's the New Testament pattern. There were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. Verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said through one of the prophets... Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament... The man that was responsible for the gospel of Christ going to the Gentile world, which is the non-Jewish people, is this man right here, Saul, and it all was birthed by the Holy Spirit. But notice, God didn't just speak to him and he just went off on his own. No, the Bible said they went further, then after fasting and praying, this was for confirmation, and notice this phrase, they laid their hands on them and they sent them off. There was something very spiritual that happened. They didn't just send themselves, but they were sent by God. It was witnessed and born born to to bear by those that were in authority. But don't you see this phrase, they laid their hands on them. Now, you may have come to the altar for prayer this morning, and when someone prayed for you, they didn't just put their hands in their pockets and go to talking. They might have held your hand, or perhaps they just placed their hand on your forehead. That's just the the laying on of hands, believing that there is a spiritual impartation, a spiritual transference. Now, you see this. This is not something mystical or spooky, but it's the Spirit of God in the person somehow flowing through or to or in some way touching this other person. And we see it in the Old Testament. Jacob blessed his sons, his grandsons. He laid his hands on them for the blessing. The Old Testament priests, when they would, an animal that was sacrificed for the sins of the people, they would literally place their hands on the head of that animal as if they were imparting or imputing the sins of the people. And that animal, foreshadowing Christ on the cross, was bearing the sins of the people. In the New Testament, we see that uh, uh, they would lay hands on people for physical healing. Even Jesus laid his hands on a dead person. They were raised from the dead. We see in the New Testament that, uh, that the people, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, like Acts 19 or in Samaria with Philip, Peter and John came down. They laid their hands on the people and there was some spiritual transference. So it's a point of contact, it's a reference of faith, it's not mysticism, it's not magic, but rather it's a, it's, it's a faith-filled belief that the Spirit of God in me is going to literally do something in your life. Hence, when we laid our hands on them today, we believed that there was an impartation of grace to be able to pastor, and it was a symbolic of the partnership in them going. Now all this has to do with what I'm going to call this morning spiritual covering. Can you say spiritual covering? And that's what I've entitled the message. And just for a few minutes, I'm going to suggest to you that everybody needs this spiritual covering. And I'm going to try to share with you this morning the benefits of being a part of a local church. Some people leave, you spend an hour or two on Sunday, and you get a sermon and a song. But I want to tell you, it's way more than that. It is something that the body of Christ, its, it's, it's leadership team, is able to offer people that come to be a part of a local church, be, uh, whether, whether you're coming and serving, whether you're just attending. But there's something spiritual and dynamic that can happen. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. Hebrews chapter 13 Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, the spiritual covering of our church can bless you in five different ways. Now, I'm going to be very quick, but I want to give you some scriptures and thoughts this morning about how this church can be a great blessing and benefit in your life. Hebrews 13, 17, it tells the it tells us as Christians that we are to obey our leaders and act under their authority. Now listen to this. They are watching over you because they are... Say it with me. They are responsible for your soul. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm taking your place on judgment day. That, that doesn't mean that you can't make your own decisions in life. You Listen, we're all grown adults in this room today, but pastors and elders have been given to the body of Christ to help make the journey easier. Come on, to help you get to heaven, number one. But when you get there, that you've lived the life in such a way that Jesus says, well done, come on, good and faithful servant. So our great desire is to some in some spiritual way to be caring for you, watching over you, encouraging you to become all that God has had his for you to be. And that's a pretty good thing. They watch over your souls. They're responsible. Obey them so that they will do this work with joy and not sadness. It will not help you to make their work hard. So what I'm suggesting to you this morning is there's something to benefit you in a relationship with a local church if you have submitted yourself to the covering and care of the church. Now, uh, watching over your soul is a picture, it's a word picture of a shepherd watching over sheep. If you, oftentimes in the Bible, we as believers are, are likened to sheep. And imagine that shepherd with his staff. I mean, if a wolf tries to come up in the middle of the night, or a coyote or a bobcat, I mean, no, he takes that stick and he knocks that bobcat over the head. He protects the sheep. I mean, no, the good shepherd leads the sheep where there's good water, where there's life-giving water, where there's good grass to eat. It's also a word picture of a nurse caring for someone in critical care. You may be here today and you may have had some traumatic life experiences. You may have had great disappointments in church. You might have, I don't know, you might have prayed about something, it didn't happen, and you're spiritually devastated. Well, how many know part of what we do as spiritual leaders is to help people get back in the game? You, you heard Pastor Ron share his testimony is, is a church that he'd started and it collapsed and died and he just he was just, you know, I just don't know what I can do with my life. Uh, I'd like to do this, but I feel broken. And over time, come on, the church of God, the people of God, are able to bring life and healing to people. Well, this is what we do, and I want to give you just a couple things this morning. And, and, and first of all, let me say this. When I talk about a spiritual covering, I'm not talking about an authoritarian permission giver. I don't want to run your life. I barely can run my own, okay? But what I'm talking about is someone not to give you permission not to be your boss, but someone that cares enough about you to give godly counsel, to speak the truth, come on, to follow up for you, to, if you're in relationship with someone that knows you, if you've been missing a while, if you've got some trouble in your life, doesn't it make you feel real good if somebody notices when you're not there? I mean, doesn't it make you feel like, well, maybe somebody does care about me? Every one of us wants to, wants to be cared about. And see, this is not just an hour experience we do, but we are to be a community of believers in relationship with one another, making an impact in this world. And I want to share with you real quickly five ways that we can help you. Romans chapter 1, here's the first one. It's to be what I'm going to call a prayer covering. Now, Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome, and he never met them before, and this is something. He says, God knows how often I pray for you, Day and night, I bring you and your needs in prayer to God. Day and night, I bring your needs in prayer to God. Now, I'm not going to tell you that I stay up all night long praying for you. But what I am going to say is when God brings you to my mind, I say a prayer and depending on the on, on the impression, depending on the sense of it, that kind of determines the length of prayer. I want to read you something about the power of prayer. Uh, I went to a missions conference this, conference this week and the, the ministry team there... What they do is they train national leaders around the world. They've trained over 600,000, think about this, 600,000 people face-to-face, not over some satellite network, but going to nations of the world, all over the world, meeting with dozens of people to thousands of people, giving some of these national leaders training that they'll never get anywhere else. Here was a testimony they got from a man in a Muslim nation. This pastor, when he accepted Jesus, now mind you, he was a Muslim. And you understand that under Sharia law, the Muslim law, if someone converts from the Islamic faith into some other faith, they have a responsibility to reconvert them or to take their life. Now, you may hear Sharia law bounced around a little bit in America today. Do you know why women in Saudi Arabia can't drive cars? Because of Sharia law. You hear oftentimes, even in our news in America today, about an honor killing. In America, in Canada, where some Muslim basically got worldly or got away from their, uh, their roots and their faith and someone in their family took their life and it was as an act of honor. So it, it, in this world, when you come to Christ, there's a price to pay. Well, here this brother, now he's pastoring a church. When he accepted Jesus, immediately he was under heavy persecution. Mind you, now we're talking about the power of prayer. Uh, many times he was beaten severely by radical Muslims. Every time after the beating, now think about this, he would get up and say to these people, my brothers, I forgive you. I want you to know that Jesus loves you. You have to repent before him and submit to his lordship. If you don't, you'll go to hell. Now that's a bit different than the promise of 20 virgins. Come on, if you blow yourself up. Well, as they were leaving, they'd be furious with him and promise they would kill him. He said, on 20 different occasions, Muslim gangs tried to take my life, but they all made one mistake. Now listen, every time before they tried to kill me, they would say, now let's see how powerful your Jesus is. Pray to Him for the last time. Imagine now, you're surrounded with a a group of people. They've got a gun, they've got a knife, they've got a big rock, and they say, let's see how powerful Jesus is. This is your last time to pray. And here's what he said. He would always pray, God, please forgive my brothers and save them. Make them followers of Jesus just like I am. He would continue blessing them and their children in prayer. And after he would pray, they would run away in fear and anger yelling, I can't kill him. He's praying for me and my children. Now, I want to tell you, listen, and I heard testimony after testimony like that. Come on, there's power when people are praying. And one of the greatest things, not only just I as a pastor and elders can offer you, but we offer to one another in this body of believers, come on, is the power of prayer. So that if you're in relationship here in this church, and you have a struggle in your life, you have a need, you have a prayer covering, come on, friend, that will help you make it to the other side. Give the Lord a good hand. That's probably the greatest thing we offer. But here's another one. Spiritual counsel for big decisions. Proverbs 20, verse 18 It says, form your purpose by asking for counsel, asking for advice, and then carry it out using all the help you can get. There's a thing, a word that we'll use, it's called partnership. This partnership is in prayer, this partnership is in covering, it's in advice. As Pastor Ron and I are talking about his church and different ideas, it's not me telling him what to do. It's two brothers that are partnering together, and then it'll be two churches relating together. How many know that's a good and a healthy thing? Psalm 37 says, The godly offer good counsel, they teach right from wrong. And can I tell you this, friend? Every one of us needs some godly people giving us advice. Listen, I need this. I need a spiritual covering in my life. When I got away this weekend, some of my pastor friends were there that I've submitted my life to. I had some things going on. We had a big family decision we needed to make about that affected one of our kids, and we didn't know what to do, so we're sitting around the table at lunch and I said, Guys, talk to me. Give me some advice, give me some counsel. What do you think I need to do about this situation? Can I tell you that is a healthy thing. It is a healthy thing. I would not if I were you, I would not make a big decision in my life, come on, without getting some godly counsel. And I'm not talking about somebody giving you a permission. Let me emphasize again. You are a grown adult. You're going to stand before God and give an account for your life one day. We just want to help make that a good experience rather than a troubling experience. But everybody needs someone that they can go to and say, Would you pray for me? I would never make a decision like getting married. Come on. Let me tell you what I think is the best way. If I could recommend this to you, having married a lot of people over the last 30 years, and let me give you my best piece of advice. If you're thinking about getting married, what, what really makes me feel good is if the person comes up and, well, let me give you two ways. One time they come in the office and they say, oh, look at my ring, isn't it beautiful? We're getting married April 14th, we want you to do the ceremony. Well, I'm happy to do it. If that's how I can serve you, I can help put on a pretty good ceremony. But if you want to try to find the will of God, here's maybe a better way. Come to a pastor. Come to an elder. Someone that you have a relationship with and say, you know what, we're thinking about getting married for the rest of our life. Come on, this is not a trial run here. This is more than I think she just looks hot. But I feel this might be God's will. Would you pray for us? We want to submit this to God. Now listen, a pastor is not God, but he's simply God's representative working with him. And if you can submit a big decision to a man or to a woman, how many know you're literally inviting God in the midst of that situation when you're praying with someone in authority? And I want to encourage you, when you make big decisions about moving, about changing jobs, starting businesses, borrowing large sums of money, if you would invite someone else in that decision, it just could well be a better decision. Praise the Lord. That car may look good that they're going to give you financing for 72 months with nothing down. And it might smell great because they sprayed some more stuff in it. But I'm telling you, as soon as you spill ketchup on the front seat, five years to drive that new baby is a long time. Come on, if you made the wrong choice. Let's look at another one. Uh, Protection from deception and false teaching. Acts chapter 20. How many know there's a lot of weird stuff out in the world? One of the most dangerous teachings in, in, in the church today is called universalism. Which basically says this, there are many ways up the mountain. You get to decide how you meet with God and you get to decide who God is. And there's many ways to heaven. Whatever you call God, it's kind of up to you. Can I tell you, friends, that is not Bible. Jesus Christ said, I am, come on, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Well, if Jesus is correct in what he said, don't you think somebody needs to tell you rather than just going along with what the world has to say? Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. Now think of this phrase. The Holy Spirit has made some men to be overseers, elders, shepherds in the church. This is why it's so important that you don't just pick a church like you buy shoes in the mall. Now, my 12-year-old Rebecca is trying out for cheerleader this year, and we could not be a cheerleader unless we had the right shoes. And all the ladies said, I understand. The right shoes make you jump higher. Come on. Well, we went through every store in the mall. We looked at the style. We looked at the logo. We looked at the price. And then we made our decision. Don't shop for churches like that. Because what you're looking for is where the Holy Spirit is placing you. Because if God is going to appoint a man, come on, to be an overseer, to watch over you, don't you want to make sure you're in the right place? So you don't shop for churches like that. These elders were told to be shepherds of the church of God. And here's the warning, after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you. In other words, these were people that were coming in, looking good on the outside, but they're coming to bring destruction in your spiritual life. But he also said, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth to draw disciples away after them. And the clear teaching here is that they're trying to pull you off the right path. So let me encourage you, friends, one of the things that we have to offer, and we're not perfect, come on, I don't, I don't suggest that we know everything and every decision is right, but I am telling you that we need to all be striving, come on, for the truth of the gospel, the truth of Scripture, the will of God and decisions that we make. And if all our hearts are submitted, come on, to God, to leadership, to one another, we're apt to end up in the right place, come on, rather than just doing our own thing. L- let, me, let, me, let me give you one more, a couple more. Titus chapter 2, another thing the church offers you is correction when you get on the wrong pathway. Now hang with me on this one. Paul to his son in the faith, Titus, he says you must teach these things and encourage believers to do them. You have the authority to do what? To correct when necessary. You have the authority to correct when necessary. And notice what he says. He says, uh, and so don't let anyone disregard what you say. Now let me say this. Everybody, including me, needs someone to correct them. When your child is, is, is getting off the right pathway. Let's say, I got a text this week from Rebecca. And she said, I want to go four-wheeler riding with somebody. Can I? Can I? Can I? Well, up to this point, I'd said, no, no, no. But I just kind of, you know, she's getting older, and are you wearing a helmet, honey, who's driving, blah, 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 blah. You know, I still wanted to say no, but I realized she's getting older, and I said, honey, you're going to have to ultimately in life live with the choices you make. And if you ride the wrong foiler with the wrong person doing the wrong thing, and you break your neck, it won't do any good to put a helmet on you at that time. So You understand how we deal with people? At some point, we're not trying to control people, but we are trying to be a covering and a care over their life. Listen, I want somebody to correct me before I commit adultery, not after. I want somebody... To stop me if I'm watching pornography. And I say stop me. I mean to help me, to encourage me to get in my life, to get a filter on my internet, to have someone to hold me accountable. I want that to happen before I'm on the front page of the newspaper in an orange outfit. I want somebody to tell me to stop before I start taking drugs. I want someone to be in my face the first time I smoked a joint or the first time I did whatever so I don't become a drug addict. I want someone in life that cares enough about me. Listen, that if they come in my home or they look on my phone when I'm away and they see that I'm doing online gambling, I want somebody to have the authority, the concern, the care in my life to, to correct me and warn me. Come on, before I become, I lose all my money to the gambling guys. Everybody needs that. And I don't want to run your life. None of our pastors or elders or life group leaders want to. But we are a group of caring people, come on, that want to see your life finish strong and not be destroyed on the journey there. And that's an advantage, come on, of the local church. Give the Lord a, a good hand. I'm going to wrap up here with one last thing. Philippians chapter 1. Here's the fifth thing that our local church can offer. The first thing, it offers a prayer covering. It offers spiritual counsel for big decisions. Protection from deception and false teaching. Correction when you get on the wrong path. And lastly, a partnership in ministry. Let me read this to you. Because ultimately, this church experience, what we do, it's about planting churches. It's about doing missions work. It's about, you know, filling that globe up with money and buying Bibles and sending it around the world. It's about reaching people for Christ. He said, every time I think of you, I thank God for you. For you have been my, say it with me, partner." and spreading the good news about Christ, from the first time you heard it until now. Well, that's the last thing that we have to offer you as a as a church family. Is we can have a partnership together that we can do a whole lot more together than we can ever do on our own. I'm telling you, friends, if you want if you want to do something in life, I just looked in this little outreach brochure just the other day. If you want to do if you want to go to an apartment complex and minister to kids where most of them don't have a dad in their life, we got somewhere you can go. If you want to go to the inner city, if you want to go to homeless shelters, if you want to go to jail for men and women, if you want to go to nursing homes, if you care about uh, women who are pregnant, they need some help, and you want to be involved, I want to tell you, there's people in our church that are in partnership doing ministry all over our city and all over the world. Uh, In our first service this morning, we had one of our homegrown missionaries, Penny Hiller. And Penny was here, and Penny came a number of years ago to be a part of our church, I remember the first time I saw her, it was in a Dixie Diner parking lot on State Line. Pastor Mike was doing an outreach, and, and, and Kimmy was, was in the car with her, and she was looking up through the sunroof, and they rode through. They'd just gone through devastation because Penny just gotten divorced, and her life was falling apart. And I remember watching her over the next several years, how God put her life back together from somebody being broken and frazzled, and finally she becomes healthy and strong. And then one day she says, I feel God calling me to do something in my life. And she started doing mission work and started traveling and going places. And she has a master's degree in education. And then she felt God call her to go and use English as a second language. To use Bible-based materials, come on, and be able to teach people about Jesus all over the world. And you know what? She's going, and when she goes, guess who her partner is? You and I, as we do it together. And just uh, over the past year or so, you may not know this, but Dana O'Neill, Dana, stand up just a second here and wave everybody. I'm going to embarrass you just a minute. Yeah, I want you to, okay, well, it's, 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 it's. anyway, Dana has her master's in education. We have a partner with a church there in Haiti, and they have a school problem, though, is, is is their school was not accredited in the United States. And the people of means in Haiti, they'd send their kids to school, but, you know, they wouldn't be recognized in America. Well, Dana helped work with them, helped refine the process, bring the school up to another notch. Now they're fully accredited. Come on. And their kids can be accepted in colleges all over America. Well... I couldn't do that. All the praying in the world wouldn't make that happen. But somebody who had a skill and a grace, come on, could get in partnership, and we could do something great for Christ around the world. So that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. We want to celebrate what Ron and his wife are doing there, as we're doing it with them in partnership. But I also wanted to tell you this morning, there is a spiritual covering that all of us need in our lives. And I hope that you, my friend, are under the covering of the We're going to close this morning in prayer, and here's how we're going to do it. In just a second, there's going to be people come to the altar. We'll sing a song one time, and after that verse, you're free to to go. And hopefully you'll come and join us. The, The kids are cooking a spaghetti dinner, kind of hang out and have a little fun. there right after service. But let me say this to you. In this prayer time, and if you can tune me back in for just a second, maybe something in this morning's message really touched your heart. Maybe when Pastor Ron was sharing about a dream that had died. Maybe you have a dream that's died in your life and you want somebody to pray for you so that that dream would come back alive again. That'd be a great morning to pray for that. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've had some problems in churches. I can guarantee you, if you've been a Christian and gone to church very long, sooner or later if somebody hurts your feelings. Come on. The preacher lets you down. Somebody does something that's wrong or bad and before you know it, it shuts you down on the inside. Maybe you want to take a step back towards a local church. Maybe you want to ask God to forgive someone kind of get back on track there. we'd be honored to pray with you most importantly we'd be honored to pray with you if if you're not where you need to be in your relationship with God maybe you don't know if you'd go to heaven or hell can I say for you that's a pretty important deal maybe you want to talk to somebody about how to become a Christian how to get right with God we'd be honored to pray for you but before we do that prayer I simply want to ask this question and you don't have to come up you don't have to go anywhere or sign anything to ask you if you're here this morning, as I was talking about the spiritual covering of the local church, that the Holy Spirit was speaking to you about taking that step to be involved in a local church. Maybe you're just, you know, you're kind of here, you like it, you know, you enjoy the church, the worship, whatever the case is, but you're still just kind of hanging back, you're still just kind of sitting in the background, hanging on the pew, and, you know, after church just kind of going about your way, but you just feel God drawing you under the spiritual covering of this local church, Church on the Rock. And you'd like to make a step in that direction, you should be honored for that this morning. So if you're here this morning and say, Pastor, I feel God drawing me to be a part of church on the walk. Just lift your hand this morning. sure. God bless you. God bless you too dear. God bless you back here. Dear. Somebody else. God bless you too. God bless you too, buddy. God bless you too. Listen, anybody else? You know you don't you don't have to be going somewhere. God bless you for months and months and months. When you sense God's hand on your life, you just make a step in that direction. Let me encourage all of you that we either responded then or or if you kind of want to, come to our Connect class. It's this Wednesday. That's our way to help you into the life of the church. Wednesday at 6.30. And, of course, I'll be at that little reception right at the church across the hall. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning. We're going to sing one time and then be dismissed. Our prayer team is coming to the front. And if any of these things I mentioned about for prayer, take just a minute before you go and let us pray for you. A dream has died some past issue in the church, or your spiritual life. Come, let us pray for you this morning.